Let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and thanks for joining a new episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity. And today we'll hear how the financial industry is redefining itself and, of course, what is the role of identity on this. For that, we have a special guest who is Bianca Lopez. As an investor, business builder, economist, and identity expert, Bianca Lopez focuses on driving meaningful impact through technology and regulation. Leading many significant identity projects, she has helped transform how data can unlock financial and social worth. Bianca's central focus is on how we can rewrite finance using the power of digital identity, ethics, and Web 3.0. Hello, Bianca. Hello, Oscar. Thank you for having me. First, tell us about yourself and what was your journey to this world of identity? All right. Well, I guess I'll start where my sort of journey on this earth started. I'm from Brazil originally. I'm an economist, as you mentioned, and my journey started in data centers. I was actually putting biometric hardware in physical parameter security. And I got into this after working at the bank for a few years. I worked as a trader and I worked in commercial banking and then I worked in risk management and came to work for my client and he was building this business And this business was in the biometric space. And back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, minority report when you told people you worked in biometrics. And little did I know that that's where my journey and identity was meant to start. And that was about over 13 years ago. It's been incredible. It's been a journey of purpose and a journey of understanding what an industry is really capable of. Yeah, I wonder, as, as an economist, uh, suddenly doing some biometrics, And I'm feeling, did, did that scare you? Apparently, it didn't scare you at that time. <laughs> no, it kind of excited me when I, like, well, it's at first when you kind of realize you break it down and it's data, right? As an economist, you're used to being able to handle, like, tremendous amount of data and compute things. And, you know, you're kind of, like, I'm kind of a curious person. So I was trying to correlate things. So I was looking at this technology and figuring out, okay, if we're using this for some of the highest, most secure data centers at the time in North America and all over Asia, how can we look at this in this digital world that I was inherently built in, that I saw us trying to build at RBC, where I used to work? So that was kind of how we went from literally a physical wall to this thing on the phone before there was even sensors. We started talking about, you know, how can this mean a mean of access. And that was the first time I realized that what excited me and not scared me was that this was about access. This was about understanding. As an economist, I was curious and it was about correlating these big data things to understand who's here, who's allowed. And that was like a revelating moment. Yeah, fantastic. That uh, sparked your attention so much that you, yeah, you are here now talking about data identity and very into this industry. So from your perspective, we started this world of data identity in finances now through this journey. You're an entrepreneur. You do many things as far as I know. So from this very wide perspective you have, on your opinion, personal opinion, what are the top challenges that digital identity has today? I think the first one is the reality. Is the reality that as much as we've made some unicorns and billionaires and, you know, we have our 
cliquey clubs are growing, it's still not understood. And it's still in the hands of a few. And we still miserably failed at addressing massive portions of the population. From our biases and how we build code or to the way, you know, we've distributed that technology or to the barriers we've created with understanding. I often find, you know, part of perhaps what sounds like an airy fairy journey and excited in identity was, it was hard. It was a lot of acronyms and a lot of, you know, things that didn't talk to each other, didn't interoperate. It was almost like it was designed that way. So when I look at one of the challenges, like that's the first one is education and understanding. But it starts with this acceptance of the reality of where we are. You know, we've gone a long way and this industry is filled with amazing people, which is why I'm still here and like preaching as loud as I can. Preaching is not the right world, but like sharing and saying, hey, guys, I've seen the light. And like some of these things can change the world. But the challenge is, you know, you can only change something you can at least acknowledge or see or understand. And a lot of us have made this super complicated. That's why people like you, Oscar, and this community are like, we need more. <laughs> so that's the challenge. That's one of the, I think, of the big ones on the education, on the understanding. Then there's technical challenges we can talk about. Of course, technical challenges there are many. And of course, the, the, the most techy between us, they're working hard to solve this challenge. But I definitely agree with you with the education. So understand well what has well, what has failed in a way, so uh, what we don't understand enough, even between us who are in this industry. Yeah, we divide, right? Like if you kind of walk around or even if you look at, and, and, and fair enough, like a huge part of this, I feel like, how did we get here? If you ask yourself in the financial services industry, how did we get here that we don't have at least a shared understanding? One of the importance of identity, like I've been looked at like an alien for a long time in some of these bank conversations saying identity and they're like what and then they're like oh I'm boarding and I was like no 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 identity and I'm like trying to have a principles conversation a foundational conversation not a fixed peer conversation <laughs> so it's I think there's a little bit of that in the challenge of the industry itself and a lot of that has to do with control um, and I think the way we were taught how to look at data, how to think about data and identity is kind of like the foundation of, of a lot of that, right? Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Crazy. Well, now that you mentioned, you have had some of these conversations where mostly anybody in the rooms means uh, understand what identity means in, in that context. It's, it's, well, hard to imagine. And I suppose it still happens today. I think everybody has a different definition and that's part of the beast. <laughs> and that's part of the identity crisis of not only a financial industry, but our own industry <laughs> and human nature trying to label things. And what would you say about good solutions or achievements? So let's not focus on what is wrong, but the things that you have been observing, finding, discovering in these last years and something that good solution achievements. Yeah, that are worth mentioning in this identity industry? Oof, where to start? There's so many. Like the industry has been filled with so many. My career was fortunate to me. Like I worked in many projects in digital identity from digital infrastructures as a biometric expert, re-looking at some of the adjacent consequences of a DAR, which, you know, people talk about it as a failure. But if you talk about starting a billion people in the beginning of the industry, that was a compliment. The failure perhaps was the lack of or constitutional infrastructure or lack of privacy or security built into it, which leads me to like 
look at how much cryptography and like zero knowledge proof uh, as an industry and as a specialization has grown. It, so that to me is, you know, the deep, deep tech infrastructure that's going to make digital identity work. In the biometric space, my country often gets looked over in Brazil and they've done amazing if you look even just back in the 90s to advanced industry, you know, when Fujitsu was coming up with like palm hand vein sensors and, um, and HID was finding fingerprint biometric and talking about persistent identity. This was like in the 90s and the industry has evolved tremendously ever since. And now you hear, sure, Vitaly talk about so bound NFTs or finally uh, our CEO of JP Morgan talked about identity is important. Like, that's great. This is important. And some of the new technology and even standards on NFTs are identity components that we've been talking on the credential industry for, for ages. So some of these advancements and technologies worth mentioning are the foundation of what's been predominantly at the periphery of a technology stack. If you're a technologist or think about it in a bank infrastructure, it's been at the onboarding or it's been in access directory. Now you have to reconstruct this with thinking of, you know, decentralizing data honeypots. You look at technologies from like Nonovit or some other folks that understand that this innovation is needed, that now we have more data points, more identifiers, more ways of looking at people's identities. So how we're going to also upkeep privacy ethics and centralization of data. Those are all advancements I get super excited about. They go from, you know, when people talk about in the banking industry of building trust or building a digital economy and connecting everything and seamless everything, this infrastructure needs to be built. And these advancements is what it's definitely worth noting and worth understanding. Yeah, certainly there's, there's a lot been ready to be used, combined and of course customized to different needs. And specifically, now we go seeing more closely to the financial industry. What is working well today in the financial industry from an identity perspective? Well, I think we kind of succeeded or got there in the biometric camp that I started in. <laughs> I started selling biometric software to banks and Visa and, and those of the like and talking about biometric authentication. So that's working. I think it can improve and there's a wave of improvement and excitement, but it's been implemented in like onboarding journeys. I think most of us can now correlate to what I say when I say, you know, your face recognition. I remember when I started, people were like, you're what? Like, like what are you going to do with that? So that's been well and working. I think a lot of the microservices architectures that some of the banks and financial services companies have implemented in their movement to the cloud or just in their change inside and internally have opened up their minds to rethink identity across the organization. You know, we've talked about it being in silos and, you know, the bank didn't know that the Bianca that owned this business is the same Bianca on the personal side and where's the line in the sand. And that has allowed the identity and document verification industry to make billions <laughs> because you authenticated the same person twice. Now that when you think about that change, that's something that is working in the financial services industry, but the change, you're still seeing like, if I brought big banks in the room and said, hey, how many people here run identity and access or identity management or security? There would be a lot of hands in the room. So <laughs> from a lot of different departments, and then there would be a lot of different vendors in the identity stack and ecosystem that would come along with that. 
And I think that that's working, but could be better. <laughs> it needs to be better. When you mentioned biometrics, of course, you started a long time ago with biometrics. But today, in the recent years, so which, which ones are the ones most used? And it's, it's mostly mobile or how it's in practice? Yeah, how is the person interacting? It depends country by country. But if I were to go make gross global generalizations, and I mean gross here, like we can, <laughs> anybody wants to talk about a country, you guys can hit me up after. But it's mostly obviously the same trends as follows mobile. And one of the interesting parts about a lot of the technology advancement, effectively in computer vision, some of the underlying technology that you know people talk about in machine learning, is what also works in the biometric space. It's predominantly benefited from better sensors, better cameras, better microphones, because it's better capture of data. So if you think about a biometric, you know, minutia or template, it's kind of like a photo of a bunch of little pieces of information together. The better the data, the better the photo, the better the accuracy of you being you. So it, it kind of has followed that trend. Which one is more predominantly used? Obviously, you've seen facial biometrics take over pretty massively. And you saw, and I think you're going to start to see a resurge around fingerprint and some of the other alternatives for what one could call like multi-factor authentication or higher degree of like transactional value, aka I need to be a little bit more certain. So I'm going to mix some stuff here. But when in the same token, when you look at things like accelerometer sensors on phones and other identifiers and tokens inside of phones, you have this other wave of proxies or pseudonyms of identity that are also coming up that one could sometimes people encompasses all this stuff into like behavioral, but there's subtleties there. And I think that that's also something you'll see. You're seeing now in the fraud department as a trend, but you're not seeing it as much as a passless, like imagine your metaverse authentication. It kind of just kind of knows your avatar and here we go. There's lots of other factors behind this like image or thing. Okay. So it feels like we're going to see more biometrics, not only in the financial industry, of course. A lot in the yeah, metaverse, as you so. mentioned. And tell me, how is the financial industry redefining itself? Well, I think it's being redefined a lot by, if you kind of look around the globe, by regulatory regimes, opening up and understanding this concept we started with around data, right? That identity is so central to and, and needs to take a, a bigger role here. My waving the identity flag. They've had to redefine themselves. Like if I look at Brazil, you know, some of the banks had to redefine themselves because you had a president of our central bank incredibly fast moving and changing legislation and opening up parameters of data sharing that enabled an entire fintech, multi-trillion dollar fintech industry to be built. Like, <laughs> so they've had to reinvent their services, you know, through much pain, kicking and screaming around digital transformation, where I think that one could say they're being forced now to redefine themselves is in this CBDC, which is another foundational part of the architecture of any system, exchange of value as well. So there you're starting to see banks look and do some things, some more than the others. Some of them pay attention to obviously crypto conversations and other legislation. So they're having to reinvent themselves in terms of what is their payment acceptance I've yet to see us fully embrace the thing I'm excited about, <laughs> which is, you know, another hashtag here, but refi, regenerative finance. And why am I getting excited about this? Because finally, identity can have such a massive role and a role of equity of value and equity of distribution. 
So that's how I'm excited about the finance industry, understanding that, you know, at some point we all made up money and they became the kind of holders and, you know, guardians of some of it, along with the central bank for a public good. Where did we lose track along the way? And what are we going to look at financing? Uh, because I don't know about you, but the world's backwards and a little bit on fire is probably the understatement of the century. So if banks intend to have something to redefine and, and to count, I expect them to be doing a lot more than what we're seeing today in digital transformation. And I think the identity industry can see this as an opportunity. Yes. How do how, how you define that, that concept of regenerative finance? It's the idea of we've extracted things from the world. We've extracted things from people. If you look at the agriculture, we're here to feed. But have you really thought about the effect that it has on the human bodies of those who feed us? And yet we're still starving as a, as a collective. Why does that exist? Well, because of the price of trade, because of the price of how much labor is in certain areas, because of the price of a commodity, because it pays more to farm a pig than to plant a tree. But if you looked at a world that was a nature-based economy, and we as economists or just as humans realize that things are finite and we're connected as an ecology, there's no balance sheet, you know, delineation between the air that I breathe and the air that somebody in India breathes. I can put carbon credits all day long, but I have to acknowledge these things. So regenerative finance is a movement, is a decision to say, hey, how do I use models and instruments? You know, bonds, stocks, exchanges, bank account, these things were built for facilitating trade and facilitating hopefully distribution, access. This is all about identity as well, right? And we kind of like, so regenerative finance is an opportunity for finance to think about what incentive structures are they building? What kind of incentives are we building for humanity? Do we need another stock exchange when? There's no water, everybody's dead. Like, where, where's the line? Who needs to lead this regenerative finance? A bit difficult word for me. <laughs> no, no, no. Finanza generativa. Generativa, Milero. In Portuguese and then in Spanish. Who needs to lead? It's a community effort. It's not, and that's, that's the starting point. The starting point is like, it's, it's this acknowledgement of our impact in the good and bad ways. Like we all, you know, have impact in, in how we exchange energy, how we're there. And it's acknowledging that. And, and I think it's like, okay, the banks have deleted or the technologists have deleted. Like that has led us here. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm getting your point. I yes. would like to think that the answer lies not there. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the primary issue that Refi seeks to address? That the incentive structures of building and caring for the planet and humanity are backwards. So they seek to build products, infrastructure, instruments, market, liquidity, you know, which deep down, like how does the world go around? If you ask me, I'll tell you energy. If you ask most, they'll tell you money. If you really look at that, that's what they're trying to address. How do I make sure that, you know, the farmer in Brazil doesn't want to cut down the tree, but he actually makes more money from keeping the tree. And maybe he can have time and take care of his body or take care of somebody's education or his own future and reduce the cost of healthcare. Like, what is the impact of realizing we're a connected ecosystem? A word that is so used, <laughs> like 
so not the truth. <laughs> so that's that's what I think we're trying to figure it out, or just at least acknowledge. And how the industry, how the data identity industry can help? So what's the connection? Being more more concrete on this, so how, how we can help? What is the connection between refi and data identity? All right. So if you kind of think about it in a very simplistic way, and you said, here's the earth, and there's all these people and these animals and these resources on it, like a good board game, right? With all these things. How do you distribute them? Well, you kind of first have to identify them. And the digital identity industry or the IoT industry or the, you know, the data industry and the auxiliary industries around security and distribution and storage <laughs> and cryptography are going to be needed if we're going to play this game in a fair, transparent and ethical way so we can keep people accountable. So that's how to me, in a very simplistic, down-to-earth way. We talk about, yeah, we're going to build digital trust. We're going to be able to exchange everything in the metaverse. And we're going to go from this place to this place. And we're going to fractionalize this. Like, how are you going to identify these things? How are you going to tie them? How are you going, you know, authenticate and verify, like, where are these systems going to interoperate? Who's going to make sense of, like, where's going to be the security? Hey, this one is not identified. Like, are we in the system? Or are we not? Is that going to be a creepy thing? Is that going to not going to be a creepy thing? Like, in a very simplistic way, that's what the identity industry should have done and should have thought about. That's why I talk about periphery to foundation. To me, is a massive change. It's definitely interesting. I, I think we have to talk more about this in the future. So yeah, hopefully. We can talk. I can talk about this <laughs> for days. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love what I do. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, refines a topic that definitely we have to talk more in the future. So yeah, I have to bring it more in this podcast. So this is the first time. Thanks for introducing this so much about this before. Bianca, final question. For all business leaders listening to us now, what is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? To pursue the definition of identity within the context of their work. If you listen to this, it's because you're curious or maybe because you're exploring an identity project, maybe in the periphery, like I said, you know, I'm getting a better document verification or I'm getting a new security system or I'm doing a new way of identifying money laundering fraud. Like maybe you're in somewhere in that journey, step away and try to connect the dots in that identity journey inside of your business. There's a lot of cost savings to be made and nothing else during this recession. And there'll be much to be gained if you've enjoyed or sort of got a little bit of this conversation. Thanks a lot, Bianca, for this super interesting conversation. You're welcome. You do lots of these. So I hope it was. <laughs> <laughs> Please let us know how people can uh, continue the conversation with you or uh, learn more about yeah, what you're doing. Totally. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or there's a website. It's biancalopez.com. Pretty simple. Or Instagram, Twitter at B-I-A-S-M Opus. Any of those ways you'll get a hold of me. And if I'm in your city or in your country, hit me up. I'd love to grab a coffee uh, if you're talking or interested in identity. And if I can be of help, part of the journey. Thanks a lot, Bianca. It was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. 
Until next time. 